it's uh, good to hear that music again. Um, it's been a minute. And that's what uh, this uh, brief podcast is about, uh, where I've been, what I've been up to. And I've pretty made it pretty obvious of what, uh, what I've been doing on Facebook. Uh, October 26th, I went into court um, to be sentenced for an OWI that happened uh, a little while back, not very long ago. Um, yeah, so get right to it. Um, had a lawyer, uh, good lawyer. He's not actually practicing uh, full time. He's into something else. Uh, he decided to help me out. Uh, did me a huge favor. I really appreciate him. He's a really super awesome dude, and I'm not going to mention any names or give more detail than that, only because I didn't ask for permission uh, from him to talk about it. So uh, as far as I go, uh, I really appreciate his effort uh, going into the sentencing on October 26th. Um, the deal was uh, it would be uh, OWI number two, uh, no jail time, um, year two probation, and hopefully sobriety court. Um, got into court. Uh, well, they took my license away first, okay? So didn't have a ride up there. My 80-year-old grandfather um, gave me a ride. Uh, it was shitty that morning. Um, scary driving up there in the dark. Uh, we, we get up there. Uh, everything just felt weird. Um, courtroom was basically empty. Uh, There's like one person in front of me, maybe two. Um, get called up. Um, just before we get called up, my lawyer comes in and he's like, shows me a piece of paper and it says, you know, 30 days in jail or whatever. This is what they're asking for. He's like, I thought you were going to stay in treatment until sentencing. Um, well, what happened uh, was that, uh, you know, my great grandmother wasn't doing very well. Um, I had completed the program. I had everything done. Um, I think it's fair to say I had at least twice as much done as what they uh, expected of me. And most people that come through the program at the treatment center that I was at, um, I had everything done in, in 20 days. Um, I went through all 12 steps their program has. Um, I did all the homework. I addressed everything that I had. Um, it was super beneficial. I really was able to explore my spirituality um, at this treatment center. Um, they offered multiple pathways, uh, life ring, talking circle, uh, the NA, um, AA groups, um, that I've been uh, going to. Uh, the previous treatment center that I was in this year, uh, it was all AA. There really wasn't much opportunity for other pathways. And that's where I really struggled and have struggled since I came in uh, to AA is with my spirituality. Um, at this last treatment center, uh, it was kind of a blessing. I ended up going and being there because of the things I learned and with the people um that I met and the way they approached their recovery, which was a different perspective that I needed to have. And I've, I found my higher power. You know, I'm wearing the necklaces. Uh, I'm praying to the gods as I understand them. And uh, I feel pretty darn good about that. So anyway, back to the uh, court date, I uh, get called up there. Um, my lawyer says your spiel. The prosecutor says her spiel, which was like nothing. And I'm like, she just basically agreed with what we had planned. 
um, which was no jail time, probation, scram unit on my ankle. Um, but uh, we got done, and uh, my lawyer told the judge, you know, my great-grandmother, uh, who I'm staying with currently, I wasn't doing too good, and, you know, I needed to come back to be here with her. Uh, I'm working on getting in sobriety court. I have another case coming up uh, in a different city. Uh, from over two years ago now, that still hasn't been resolved. And it's open for sobriety court on that, which sobriety court is a lot of hoops to jump through. But instead of losing your license for a year or more, you have an opportunity to do certain things, meet certain goals. And after 90 days, you have a chance to get your driver's license back uh, with other restrictions. But it's not lost forever. So it's kind of cool. Um, but anyway, we got to the end of it. Uh, you know, my my... Uh, lawyer says, you know, he's not a threat to society. He's been in treatment for 250 or almost 230 days or whatever it was, 220 days, 218 days. Um, and he stopped and the judge looked at me and asked me if there's anything I had to say. I said my little spiel. I don't even remember what I said. Um, and she's like, well, I do think that you are a threat to society, Mr. McDonald. Uh, this is more than one OWI that you have. Um, the court agrees that you will continue on the scram for X amount of time. Uh, the court is ordering you 30 days in jail. The lawyer says, Your Honor, may he report Friday. This was on a Wednesday. Give me some time to let my grandma know, uh, let my grandfather know, get him home safe. Nope. Got to go now. So... Out come the handcuffs, and off I go to jail. Uh, so I've, I've been in jail before, but uh, the only time I did more than a night or two uh, was on work release. So I worked during the week and then report for the weekend. So, I mean, it was jail, but it, it wasn't terrible. Um so this is my first real time going into jail and, and going to be there for 30 days. It's actually only 25 because every six days uh, you get credit for good days and you get a day knocked off. So it's like 25, 26 days they end up being in there. So anyway, the last 26 days, 25 days I've been in jail. Got home this morning. Well, got out this morning. Um, so some things about jail. That's really fun. You should try it. Kidding. Um, if you have an addiction, if you're an alcoholic or an addict, um, you know this is what's coming. If you can't get a handle on this, it's 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 coming. If you can't control it enough to at least sit home and and do nothing, if you're a dick and you're cause problems, you're going to go to jail. If you go out and you drive, eventually, as one of my good friends said, your luck's going to run out. Um, and this particular occasion, I wasn't even actually driving, and this is going to sound like I'm deflecting. I, I'm making the point that it doesn't matter if you're driving or not. I was in the driver's seat, and somebody called a wellness check because I was sleeping in the driver's seat. And by sleeping, I was passed out. And uh, when the cops came, you know, uh, the cop said something that pissed me off. He said, uh, no, you weren't driving, but you could. And that, in my Walter's state of mind, I lost my shit and was like, are you fucking kidding me? You're going to tell me that you're going to arrest me for something that I could do? Uh, 
you could you got a gun, you could kill somebody. I guess you're going to prison for murder. You know, once they know who you are and my history, you kind of lose credibility of, okay, well, maybe you weren't going to drive or maybe there's somebody to call. I don't even know if they would even do that. Um, Knowing what I know now, I was in there. um, It was made clear by the guards that uh, this particular county was taking anybody and everybody that they could get. Uh, they were going after people, uh, whether uh, for all their warrants that are out there, uh, anything that they can get people from, they were bringing them in now because some of the restrictions from COVID, excuse me, COVID are wearing off. Uh, they're going away a little bit. And let me tell you, their COVID uh, standards inside this jail, uh, if, if you're fearful of COVID, you would have been miserable in this thing. It was an absolute and complete total joke. But anyway. This isn't all about shit talking about jail. Kind of is, because you need to know what it's like if you haven't been there. Yeah. So anyway, I uh, get taken away. My grandpa has to uh, leave by himself, find his way home. My lawyer doesn't say a word to me. He turns and walked off. I haven't talked to him since. I don't know if he was pissed at the judge, if he was pissed at me. I I, I don't really know exactly uh, what's going on there, but that's that's a uh, an email away to just kind of see where that that's at um so some things are when you're going into being sentenced if you haven't been before you need to kind of be prepared let people know that this could happen um and let them know you know there's things that you might need in jail Uh, they will give you shampoo that shampoo is also uh shave gel and it is also body wash uh it smells like peppermint schnapps, which if you know who I am and what I drank, that's exactly what I had to use every single day. Uh, it Because it's shave gel, shampoo, and body wash, it does little to nothing, none of those uh, very well. Um, so be prepared. If you have cash on you, um, they're going to take your booking fee out of your cash. I had done a dime on me, so that didn't happen. Um, but if you have more than your booking fee, uh, you'll have some money in your account or you'll be able to uh, buy some amenities uh, off uh, commissary uh, that can help you out. So maybe it might be a good idea if you're getting sentenced to have some cash with you or have somebody that's willing to send you some. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> for phone calls, um, you get a free phone call. I think I actually got two. I don't know if that was an accident or what. Um, you don't, they're right in the cell. Uh, the cell that I was in was called a pod. There were eight beds downstairs, eight bunk beds. <clears throat> there were eight bunk beds upstairs. Uh, luckily, there was a toilet on each level, a shower on each level, and a urinal on each level. Um, but the sinks don't work with the shit. Uh, the faucet, Actually, if my pop can is the faucet, the water comes from here and shoots out and up. If your sink actually works, the one on the top level, it just kind of drizzled out. But the one on the bottom level at least came out with a little bit of arc on it. That's where you get your drinking water. That's where you brush your teeth. That's where you shave. This is flat and sticking up. So when guys are spitting back into the sink, these guys aren't controlling it. A lot of guys have no... Pardon my French, no fucks to give. When you're shaving over the sink, 
all you get is water. Um, you get milk in the morning. You get a little carton of milk in the morning if you drink milk. Uh, they will give you some powdered uh, juice mix to throw in to your water uh, to give it a little bit of flavor, but it's still the water coming from that sink. Um, phone calls after your free one, it's immediately $3 for to whoever you call, and they have to be able to charge it. They have to be able to put in a card. So there's no calling my great-grandmother who doesn't have a card. There's no calling my uh, grandfather who took me there. Uh, to give him uh, an idea of what's going on because he doesn't have a credit card. And I know that sounds weird, but there are people out there, believe it or not, who can't, don't have a credit card and operate a phone. Um, 21 cents a minute after the initial charge. So you could, if you talk for the full 20 minutes, you know, it can rack up a little bit. Uh, when you get in, they give you one towel. They make a change. They give you tidy whities as underwear. Uh, they give you one T-shirt and one pair of socks, and that's what you got. Uh, they will come every Tuesday in this particular jail. It's not the same everywhere. I learned I learned that uh, uh, by the guys who have more experience than I do. But in this particular jail, you get one pair of underwear, one pair of socks. And with me spending a month in there, you can kind of imagine um, how things can get. Uh, every Tuesday and Saturday would come and they would change out the oranges that they give you that uh, you have to wear. You can change those out. Um, and then they, uh, you can put your whites in a bag. Those whites get washed with everybody else's whites. Um, and again, the, the most cleanly of people in there, and I'm not hating on them. A lot of people have had a lot harder lives than I have for a lot longer. Um, but you don't see the cleanest people in jail. Um, so they're all mixed together, and then they bring them back, and you got to pull yours out. It's like they're just a pile, and you got to find yours. And if you're lucky to let be uh, borrowed a marker from one of the guards, you can put your initials in it and hope that you get yours back. Um, you get one towel, same thing. you got to use that towel, and you can replace it every Tuesday and Saturday. Or Saturday. Uh, you get one blade uh, razor blades, and you get to use those twice a week. Um, you know, you can make some of those work when you get them from like Walmart, but these would kind of bend when you use them. Um, you get one sheet to put on the mat that everybody uses. And hopefully they get sanitized in between uses, but you know, I wouldn't hold your breath. Uh, the meals, man, I mean, it's jail. It's, it's jail. You get almost spaghetti. You get almost rice, uh, five, six times a week. You get uh, almost brownies. You get some almost cake. And I can say almost because it's almost that. Kind of tastes, almost tastes like what it looks like sometimes. Um, so the showers, uh, you got to get in the shower. Luckily, this uh, there's at least a curtain on the shower, but they got to be able to see you at all times. So it's, it's, uh, it's non-transparent about yay high and then there's a spot where they can see your head uh in through the uh in through the shower um and everybody takes a shower and you have to wear your sandals in the shower which are the sandals that you're walking through the the grum and grime on the floor all day long so you really don't have a choice uh to wear them but to wear them in the shower um because man i tell you i don't even want to know what goes on in that shower man after some of the things i'm gonna tell you man um so the showers, they're either uh, lukewarm to cool or boiling lava hot, uh, burning your skin. You look like a lobster when you come out of that thing. Uh, 
it's just pretty fun. And I, I apologize if I make if I'm making jail sound really fun by this so far. Uh, the guards are dicks. Not all of them. Some of them um, are, are pretty cool. Actually, the coolest one that would check in, he actually wasn't a guard. He was a uh, sheriff, an older gentleman. Uh, he would bring coffee in uh, once a week when he was working the night shift, and the guys that drink coffee are pretty happy about that. Um, he was uh, Maybe it's because he's older, been around, done that, seen everything. Uh, I, I don't know, but uh, he was probably the, the nicest one and the most laid-back one. Um, you know, in, in the county jail, because it's a quarantine cell that I was in, because you have to be quarantined for 10 days. But the problem is they have court on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and there's always somebody coming in on court. So every time that the 10 days, well, you wouldn't even get to your 10 days. Every time somebody new came in, everybody's 10 days started over. So there's really no escaping quarantine unless they find an open cell to move some people and then you get 10 days and then you get out. So there's really no escaping it. Um, with the body wash, sh- uh, shampoo and uh, shave gel c- combination, you also get some almost toothpaste that's clear. I don't know if I need to go farther than that. Um, deodorant that uh, won't stay in the in the, in the stick. Um, that was always fun, and it. I figured out by the end. I I, I would. I it was pretty cold in there, and I wasn't sweating at all. And I always was smelling like bo. Like it's like God damn, you know. I, I sometimes take two showers a day in here just to get just to not feel disgusting. I still smell it. Well, I come to find out, it was actually the deodorant that kind of smelled that way. Um. So, you know, uh, let's see here. There's a rule Monday through Friday that by 9 o'clock you had to have your bed made and you could sleep all day if you want, but you couldn't get under the covers. So you could sleep all day and curl up, tuck your hands in your shirt so you're not freezing because they had the AC on on one side of the, the pod and they had the heat on the other side of the pod. And so it was always cold. So you could sleep all day, but you couldn't cover up. Eh. Government. Uh, so I say all these things, and you're like, oh, man, it's jail. You know, maybe you shouldn't do this. I get that. I totally get that. I shouldn't have done what I've done. But here's, here's why I listed all those things first. Because you got all these things. Uh, you know, the, the, the shit deodorant, the shampoo, the, the, the faucets that have hair spit and God knows what else in there. Guys, you know, they make their noodles in the sink and they leave noodles all over. You know, you cut your hair uh, every other week. And, you know, I I mean, I did the best to keep my shit clean, but man, it's just fucking gross. Guys, if, I say all this and I complain about this. You have all these rules and these things, but then they have tablets for guys to rent for $5 for an entire month. So they have a tablet that's hooked to the Wi-Fi that they use from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. You can watch movies and play video games on these things. You can listen to podcasts for free. It costs an arm and a leg to buy a movie, and you only get to keep it for 48 hours. It costs like $8 per app. But if you're going to be in there for a while, um, or you plan on coming back, or you end up coming back like many of the guys that I were in there with did. 
you get to keep these apps forever. So you get to, guy was playing a game called Super Matt, I think it was. It was freaking Super Mario on a tablet. Just playing Nintendo basically all freaking day long. You know, so they give these things to keep everybody occupied, but they, they skimp on the, on the things that feel like they would be more necessary. Uh, you get cable TV until one o'clock in the morning. Uh, you can watch TV, you know, you can download music on these, on these tablets. Uh, you can email, uh, for the cost of a stamp, uh, to your loved ones from these tablets. So it's like you're giving all these things, but you're ignoring some of the other things. It's like, dude, get rid of the tablets and, and feed us something that's not almost something. Um, so, uh, so the amenities are a little crisscross. The COVID testing, it was ridiculous. There were no masks. You're in quarantine, but the guards could come in and out and go into all the other cells. Uh, the trustees could come in and out of the COVID uh, uh, cell and then immediately take trays of food to other cells after they're in ours. They'd come back in and pick up our trays. And, and, and just no gloves, no masks. I mean, it's just it's government. Um so some some other cool things that I seen that were that while I was in there, um, got to see uh, got to see guys that thought they were going to be the next American Idol. Um, the one dude in particular uh, had been jailing for a long time, most of his life, up to his preteens. Again, I don't want to give out too too much information because I'm not trying to hate on anybody in particular or have anybody know anybody else's business. But the, this dude has been in and out of jail for a long time, and he was looking to go to prison probably for what um, he had going on and he's going to be there for a minute. And, uh, you know, student would be singing at the top of his lungs all the time. And, you know, more power to you, bud, if, uh, if you're just jailing, as they call it and having fun and, and trying to get it. But, you know, there were guys in there, the littler guys that were intimidated by this dude, like, oh, yeah, dude, it's okay that you sing um, while everybody's trying to sleep, man. You, at least you're good. It was a good opposite of good. But God bless him for singing his heart out. Um, got to see some fights. Not, not really anything terrible. It was just one angry older dude um, was pissed off because another guy moved a chair from his spot at the table. Uh, that led to... Uh, the guy that moved the chair getting bitch slapped by the older dude. It was a good one, dude. It was loud. I mean, it was like, Doom! and also it was like uh, a lock of hair. This dude that got smacked had hair all the way down his back. And there was a good chunk of hair that, that, that the older dude ripped out of his head. Man. And that the guy that got his hair ripped out, smaller dude, he just took it with, I mean, he handled it like a champ, man. Um, you know, uh, the N-word was being dropped in there. We had one black dude in there. He was in his early, early 20s. And uh, one gentleman in there is like, yo, I've lived the lifestyle, man. I've lived this lifestyle my whole life. I, I'm He was a white dude. I, I can talk. I can use the N-word with the A at the end. You know, I, I, I can say that. I'm not even going to repeat it because I think it's fucking stupid. But who am I to tell people how to talk? You know what I mean? Um, it's just... It's a different world in there. Um, people celebrating their their disease, their 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 uh, addictions. You know that it's it's it's, it's sad, man. It, it's sad that they that they're okay to let their disease control their life and keep putting them back in these institutions and in these cages. Um, you know, I, I I tried to 
I wasn't in there to try to coach anybody because I'm fucking in there. How am I better than anybody else? But I tried to say, hey, man, this treatment center is pretty good. Hey, I learned this in treatment. And there were a couple of guys that were like, oh, really? That's, oh, dude, that's awesome. I'm going to write that down. And then there are other guys like, fuck, I ain't going to treatment, man. Shit. Fuck treatment. I'll just do my time and I'll get back out. I'll just be doing my thing. I'm like, it's you, man. I, people tried to tell me to do things and I didn't either. So, um, I've seen, uh, I've seen a kid, uh, Eating the juice powders with his fingers, just uh, snorting coffee. Dude's picking their feet, man. And then I, I heard that the same dude that's picking at his feet, pulling the skin off his feet. I heard one other dude. There's a rumor going that the dude was doing that and eating it. I, ugh, I don't, I don't even want to know more about that. Um, guy was had a zit on his back. Another younger dude was trying to offer up freaking Raymond noodles or dessert from the next meal to have somebody else pop this sit on his back, man. I was just like, what the fuck, dude? What are you doing? Um, yeah, and probably the one that was the most interesting uh, is kind of later in the evening, I was laying on, on the bottom buck, a guy came up from the uh, lower level. I was on the upper level and he was a cool dude. We got along. He's one of the guys that I talked to with a lot about my recovery and, and gave you know, some information And he wrote down a lot of stuff. Um, he actually made me a birthday card because my birthday happened last year. It was really cool. Um, so he's on the top bunk and I, I got up to pee and I kind of stood up and I'm stretching. So when I got up to pee, you know, the bottom of his bunk is like right here. And so like, I'm standing farther away than my hand, but you can't see it if I go off screen too far. Um, but basically my head is like right where his body is. And, you know, I, he obviously didn't hear me get up and I look over and I don't know if I can recreate this with my shirt, but the, he's leaning away from me and the blanket's just going like this. I was kind of stunned and I looked uh, longer than the person should look because I was like, what the fuck right here? Like on top of me, it's like, <laughs> so I went away for a long time and did not return to my, uh, my bunk, uh, until much later. I wanted to make sure that whatever he was doing was done by the time I came back up there. Cause I was not going to see that shoot again. Um, so, uh, yeah. here's the thing. I was getting out this morning, and one of the other guys was getting out with me this morning, too. We were both supposed to get out on, on the 19th at 6 a.m. you got to remember that the courts can do whatever the hell they want, whenever the hell they want. And if you are not... Um, Fuck, if you're not rich enough to have a lawyer that's going to literally fight for you on every fucking end, they can do whatever they want to you. So this guy, um, he went and got a scram on with me the, uh, the day before, put on his leg. Everything was good. He had the, uh, the, the uh, guards check to see if he had a hold from another jail anywhere else. Um, at least once. And the answer was no. So his dad was on his way to pick him up. Luckily, he lived closer. Um, than if it would have happened to me. Um, and so he's got his stuff back. We're waiting by the door. 
the guard comes, he's got a piece of paper in his hand, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Crap. Piss. Shit. And he opens the door of this young, immature kid. He's laying on his mat right in front of the door, and the guard kind of shakes his head, pulls him out. Then the sheriff comes, and I'm like, uh-oh, he ain't getting out today. We were up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and nobody came to tell this kid anything. Turns out that uh, the other uh, county that he had an issue with called at like 3.30 in the morning and told him they had to hold him. So he was getting out. His dad was coming to pick him up. The phones aren't turned on yet. They don't get turned on until after breakfast. He got told that he had to stay. Me, I got the hell out of there. But I felt bad for him. The kid is super annoying. Um, but he's, he's, he's a young kid, man. He's, he's super immature. He's a lot more immature than his age, but he had a good heart. I think he meant well. I think he was a good, a good person that just needs, he's got a lot of learning to do. And I can relate. I'm 41 and I'm spending time in jail for doing childish stupid shit. So moral of the story, after all this bitching and complaining and all these things that I've said about this experience in jail, at the end of the day, whose fault was it that I was in there? my fault. I can make the argument all day that I was in a vehicle and I was sleeping. I was living in my vehicle literally at the time because my housing fell through. But if I wouldn't have chose to pick up after all the fighting that I did this year, after 218 days of being in treatment, after over five months of sobriety, the longest stretch of sobriety that I had in my life since I started drinking alcohol. Five months I didn't have five months of sobriety combined probably since if you took all the drinking that I did from age 22 to to 40, I probably didn't have five months worth of time at all. And I let my housing falling through take me down. You know, I don't have many people that I have in my circle that I can trust totally. I could probably count them on one hand. Maybe a little more than that. And and that's partly my fault because, you know, some people might not want to be around me because of, oh, he's fucking drunk again and he's drinking again. But then some of it really isn't my fault. And somebody close to me that I trusted with a lot of information who's not supposed to share that information, share that information with somebody that I care about a lot. And uh, it, it crushed me. And if I'm being honest, I I must not have done enough work to be prepared for something like that. I, mean, I don't know how I wasn't. And so housing falling through, being betrayed, um, being like almost three hours away from my children. I'd, I'd been away from them for so long. I wanted to, everybody was telling me that you can't go back to Coleman. You can't go back to your grandma's. And I was trying to make myself believe that. And maybe that was the truth. Maybe it is the truth. Maybe I'm wrong again for being here. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I know that I'm, I'm working on it. I know I'm working on to do the next right thing. I know that. And I'm, This last one had to happen. I just listened to something about Robin Williams. He was talking about, uh, I think it was after 20 years of sobriety or something, he relapsed. And I asked him about it. 
basically it's just the disease gets in your head and tells you, hey, it'll be okay to do this. You, know, you, you can do it for a day or two, but there's never just a day or two. If the cops, if somebody wouldn't have called the cops and if somebody wouldn't have saw me in the truck and the cops wouldn't have did what they did, I don't know, maybe I could be dead. I might be dead right now because I didn't have five months of sobriety and then go buy a six pack of beer and kick back and enjoy the flavor. You know, I bought pints, pints and pints, multiple pints. I picked up right where I left off. Maybe I didn't buy the half gallon, but there were at least uh, almost three full bottles when I got my truck back out of impound uh, that the cops didn't dump out. I don't know why that is, but it was in there. And so I don't know what I, how much I consumed because once I started, I can't stop. It went right fucking back to where I was five months before, in and out of the hospital, intubated, uh, choking on my own shit, strapped to a bed, uh, blood alcohol content of 0.46 um, on a different occasion, uh, catheters, uh, uh, hypothermia in my underwear passed out, or my 97-year-old grandmother has to call the EMS because she can't wake me up. My kidney's shutting down. Potassium levels gone. I couldn't fucking walk. And I still went back to the ship because the disease in my thinking, I've used alcohol to make my troubles go away. That's what I think. And anybody who knows anything about addiction, what I just said, they don't, they, I make them go away. They don't fucking go away. Everybody knows that. In the big book, it says we love the almost immediate ease and comfort that we get from taking just a few drinks. And that's the God honest truth. That's what I'm chasing. That's what I'm chasing every time that I make that decision to drink a bottle. I want that ease and comfort that I get. But the problem is that ease and comfort duration gets shorter and shorter and shorter every time. Because now I know after five months of sobriety and drinking again, that window was about this big. I felt good for about this long. And then I was passed out in my truck. It does not stop. If you are truly an alcoholic and look, if it becomes your habit, okay, oh, I drink too much on the weekends. I, I drink too much on the weekends. If you're obsessing about it, if that habit turns into an obsession and that's all you can think about, okay, when can I drink today? When, when, you know, what can I do to drink? And so nobody knows that I'm drinking as much as I am right. There's a clue. And that's what I did. That's by myself in my truck. Nobody's going to know. It turns into an obsession. And I am completely obsessed with alcohol. And I fucking hate it, but I love it at the same time. One of the greatest things that I heard in my last treatment was a dude that was being straight up honest because the sponsor told him to be honest. He would sit there in our groups and say, I want to do cocaine. I want nothing more to, than to leave treatment and go do some cocaine. That's that's authentic. He said, I'm not going to. He said, I won't. I've been very close. I won't do it because I love my son and I want to see my son again. And this dude would cry all the time talking about his kid. He loves his kid. Addicts and alcoholics, they can they can both be not present and addicted to their substance of choice and still love everybody that they love. You may not see it or think it because you keep thinking that they're choosing this over you. And, and, and sometimes they are, or maybe every time they are. 
It's because the disease has the claws in, in you. Normal people that aren't alcoholics can go and have a bad day or weekend, and they can go get shit-faced, wake up hungover, and be like, well, I'm not doing that again for a while. I know people who do it. I know people that are like, oh, it's a wedding. They go out, they get plastered on a bachelor or bachelorette night, and then they're they're done for a while. People who are addicted can't do that. I can't do that. I can't go back even 20 years like Robin Williams, 20 years from now. I can try to go back and maybe I can fake it till I make it for a little while. Maybe I drink like a normal human for a minute. It won't last. It's, it's a disease, man. And the one final note that I'll say on this one is it's a disease and treatment. Uh, the medical field is starting to see it and treat it more as a disease. Um, the courts will send you and force you to go to AA and or treatment where you are going to be told that this is a disease. It's a disease of the mind, an allergy of the body. The allergy of the body is once you take it in, you can't stop. The body has a certain reaction to it where it craves it more. You're going to be told that in treatment. You're going to be told that in AA, but you get in front of a judge when you've hurt nobody, you've just broken some laws that they have put in place to protect people. And I understand that drinking and driving is fucking stupid. I just read a great book. Check it out. Patricia Steele. She's from Traverse City. Uh, she she was out drunk driving, didn't remember anything, hit a car, woke up two days later in the hospital. I, I, I don't, well, she woke up. The time after she got to the hospital, and then she was so screwed up in the hospital that she it was two days of being in the hospital before she even knew that where she was. And then she was told that she killed a man and uh, uh, seriously injured his wife, took a man from their family. And uh, it's a good book. It's called uh, The Gift of Second Chances. Drinking and driving is stupid. But my point is that I was trying to make is the courts aren't going to tell you it's a disease. They're not going to say, oh, poor baby. This is this is something that they can do. OK, this is something that they can do to put you away because the uh, uh, the image of especially drug abuse uh, and, and but even alcohol abuse. There's a like a stigma about it. There's, it's like people think of you a certain way if you're drunk uh, or, or you got uh, needle marks all over your arms. They're going to think of you a certain way and they think they're going to help you by putting you in a cage. They're getting better. I mean, I, I've heard of guys that had a long sentence and they were sent to treatment. And if they completed in 30 days, they just had probation. So there are some judges that get it, but there's not a lot of it. So your best thing to do before it becomes a problem, before you got to go see that judge, is to ask for help. Admit that you have a problem and reach out to somebody. The opposite of addiction is connection. Talk to somebody. Say, I think I might have a problem. Even if you think, what's it going to hurt? Go to a meeting. Go to an AA meeting. I I could, I could do 150 podcasts about AA meetings and some of the old timers, the way they act and the way they treat people or how it's too churchy. I've been to AA meetings where there's nothing but church. They're not all like that. The best thing that was ever told to me was when you go to an AA meeting, you take what you need and you leave the rest. If somebody wants to get up there and say, um, you need Jesus and you're like, not about that, ignore him. If he says something good, because there's a chance that he could still say something that hits you. 
Okay, and whether it's good or not, that's subjective. But again, I'm, I derail like a train every time I talk about the shit. Find a meeting you like, find good people that are going to understand, they're going to treat you with respect, that are not going to force their will upon you because that is opposite of what the AA program is all about. You're not supposed to take other people's inventory. You're not supposed to play God and try to change their way to what you think they should be. And I think in my recovery coach training, that was a great thing because recovery coach training is opposite of AA in that you let the person know what they, you help the person do what they know, already know that they have to do. I knew what I had to do a long time ago, but I didn't because I wasn't ready. I'm fucking ready. Fucking ready. Anyway, uh, some things I'm really trying to gonna make try to try to make some things happen, man. Um, I, I want to get a website going, uh, the Silver Heathen uh, webpage. There's uh, there's things I want to do. Keep an eye out on Facebook if you're still listening to this thing. I, I ran on way too long. Um, but you know, there's people that are coming into treatment with absolutely nothing, uh, no hygiene products, uh, one set of clothes. That's it. They're coming from jail. They're coming from the street. Um, they're coming from getting kicked out of their family. Um, you know, we, we do donations all the time. And, uh, you know, a lot of times at the Salvation Army, you know, people that don't necessarily need things, they can go in and they get some, get some things. My plan is to set something up, uh, where people can, uh, either I, I'm going to get it all set up, but I, I, Seeing guys' faces, I lost like 50 pounds from being in treatment this year, okay? I had a lot of shirts that looked like dresses on me, and I donated a ton of crap, my own crap, after I had it sent to me, and I put it on, I'm like, oh, my God. I donated, and to see a guy get a nice shirt that doesn't have much, you know, you you have the techs that work at these places. I was a tech. I, I, I've had some experience, but I've been in treatment for so long. I had a lot of experience. Guys that haven't had a nice shirt, man, you see their face light up and they all of a sudden I've seen guys go from not doing their hair and looking like crap to all of a sudden they get a nice shirt or two and now they're dressing up every day. There was a guy that's wearing a shirt and tie every day when he got into treatment um, and he got got into it and he was able to have nice things. Uh, being able to have toothpaste, uh, good shampoo and conditioner, uh, deodorant, um, you know, uh, uh, electric razor, those types of things can make a world of difference and make somebody's treatment up that much easier and take those oh, just one brick off the pile that they're carrying. So I would like the website. I'd like the sober heathen to be able to do things like that. I got a lot of work to do on myself. Um, but AA says, and I agree with them that in order to keep it, you got to give it away. And I want to stay connected. So keep an eye out on, on those things. Um, We can do this. If you're struggling, we can do this together. If you're not struggling, you can help somebody who is. I want these podcasts to be more than uh, more than just for people that are struggling with addiction. I want I want to be available. I'm making myself available. So we're heathen um, at Yahoo uh, is my email address. You can email me questions. If if you know, make up a fake email. Uh, uh, my my phone number is available um, on the Sober, Sober Heathen page. I want to have the website. Uh, I'm going to try to set something up where I can get emails there. If you have a family member, somebody you care about, a friend that's struggling with the disease and you want to ask some questions, I'm not perfect, okay? I've Right now, I'm at, I'll am at i be at 70 days in a few hours uh, since the last time that I drank. 
uh, but Bill Wilson, the co-founder of AA, the guy, it was him and Dr. Bob, but Bill Wilson is AA. He started taking the message. Once it clicked for him, he started taking the message three weeks after his last trip. Three weeks. And look what he did. So I'm not, I'm not going to stop. And a lot of people um, in AA, they're going to sit on a perch and say, well, without a year, who's going to listen to you? Nobody has to listen to me. That's that's up to you to or whoever to listen to. And if you think that I'm talking out my ass because I only have 70 days of sobriety this time so far, that's fine too. Don't click on another link. Don't watch another clip. Don't listen to another uh, a podcast on Spotify. That's fine. I have a lot of information. My big book is covered. I, I went through two big books. This isn't just about me. This is the best, the best thing that have affected me. I, I learned a lot about the disease, you know, through lectures and presentations. But when you hear per- people's personal stories of victory, where they were, you know, how they got there and what it's like now, uh, experience, strength, and hope, that's when it really touches people. I made it through 30 days of jail. Some really annoying people, some really gross people, some really good people. And if I got to go back to this next one that's over two years old, then you know what? I'm going to make it through that too. And then I'll be right back on here. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to quit quitting. I'm not dead yet. I got a clean bill of health. My liver's fine somehow. That might not last forever, <laughs> but it is what it is right now. And I'm going to cherish the moments that I have with the people that I care about. Every moment that I can get with them, even if it's riding a car for two and a half hours, I'm going to cherish that as much as I can. Even if it's a 30-second call with my boys. So, if you made it through the whole thing, I appreciate you. And uh, I'm going to try to get back on the topic of AA and the 12 steps. It's been been a minute since I did steps one, two, three, the uh, give up stage. Um, those are all coming, man. I'm going to keep doing this because it's it, it's good for me, and I hope it's good for somebody. So, have a good night, folks. Later.